Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. Let's go ahead and we're going to open up our Bibles to two places in Scripture here. I'm going to ask you to first turn to James chapter 2 and verse 10. And then once you have James 2.10, hold that spot and go to the book of Revelation in chapter 21 in verse 27. There's, we're going to get to those verses in a minute. I want to share with you some, some things that happened this week that I, I, really, I really believe there's, there's a purpose in them. And I want to share them with you. Uh, so, Michael and I were supposed to go to a little chapel that I had gone to about a month ago. And it's, I think it's called the Whispering Oaks Chapel. It's been around for 40-something years, maybe even longer than that. And uh, they asked people to come and speak. And Fred Pena, I'm sure you guys remember Fred Pena, um, he went and he's a part of that chapel and he kind of helps out there and they're looking for guest speakers. So I spoke there a month ago and it was great. And then Fred told me, you know, if you got people that want to teach and they want to you know, share the gospel and, and kind of experience that, you should bring them. So we scheduled Michael to go this last Tuesday. Well, we showed up. We're about 10 minutes early. No one's there. We waited until like 6.15, 6.20, and we left because nobody was there. And we went to a little place called Steve's Pizza on Bush and Himes. And Michael was like, well, let's do some soul winning. <laughs> so, you know, that's what, he was, that's what he was preparing to do. So we went in there and uh, we talked to the lady behind the counter, gave her a heaven track, and we told her to fill it out and then come to our table afterwards and tell us what her answer was. Well, you know, we sat down and we had our food and she forgot to fill it out, but then she filled it out at some point. And we came up to her afterward and said, you know, which one did you mark? Because we gave her the 10 questions, and if you, know, if you don't know, now you know, number 10 is the right answer, which indicates just putting your trust in Jesus Christ. And she said, yeah, 10's the only one. Now that's rare. It's really rare. But I, I say that to say that she also understood what repentance was and what it wasn't. Amen. She, she actually identified that. And I told her about another story that happened yesterday. So you got that story in mind. By the way, she... She's had a very rough life. She's been imprisoned and all these different things, but she understands the clear gospel. And I told her, don't let that track burn a hole in your pocket. Get it to somebody else. (laughs) So uh, rewind now to earlier that day. I'm in my office. I'm listening to Pastor Tom Kakuza, who's doing a great verse-by-verse study on the book of Joel right now. And I'm listening to him loud enough to where I can't hear what's happening in the parking lot. My wife comes into my office and she says, you're late for the worship meeting. I said, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? Worship meeting? I'm like, it's Tuesday. We won't have service day and all that. There's a young lady that was parked in her vehicle right outside of my office in the parking lot right here. And she had the volume turned all the way up. And she was singing Christian songs, I'm assuming from the Joy FM. And so I'm looking out there and I'm like, that is rare. 
I thought, that's not just happening for some reason. We're not supposed to look at that for like amusement and say, oh, look how interesting. So I got up and I stretched because I've been sitting for a bit and I walked right out there and you know exactly what I was getting ready to do. So I was approaching her and I had to get closer and closer because the music was very loud and I ended up startling her because she couldn't hear me over the music. But I said, oh, no. She, she was like, oh, I'll leave, I'll leave. I said, no, no, it's fine. I said, it's great. I said, it's hard for me to get people to sing inside the church. You know? <laughs> it's like, you're singing outside the church. That's, that's great. <laughs> so we start talking. And I, I asked her if everything was okay, if, if she needed prayer. And you know, to both those things, she was like, yes, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today. Amen. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world today. And she needed a break. And she's driven by us before several times, but she decided to come in. And I, I said, well, I want to share with you the most important news in all the world. And so I took my wallet out of my back pocket and I shared the gospel with her. And I'm getting through the gospel and I, she's paying attention. She's watching when I'm pointing to my hand, when I'm pointing to my wallet, when I introduce this hand to represent Jesus Christ. She's, follow, she's tracking me. She's following me. We get to the point about all you have to do is put your trust in him and you'll have eternal life. I said, it's not turning from sin. It's not starting something or stop, stopping something. It's simply just putting your trust in Christ. I could tell that something didn't click there. There was something that I was saying that was different from what she had heard. Well, anyway, I, I invite her to trust Christ, and instead of saying, yes, yeah, she'll trust Christ, she gets out of the car, and she asks if she can shake my hand, and I said, that's no problem, I shook her hand. And she says she's been reading in the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, she says, she's, this is her analysis, she says, I'm always seeing that faith is accompanied, or it's a re, there, there's a result of that faith, and it's in action. And I've been, do, we, I've been reading the book of Hebrews for months now in preparation for this, for something just like this. I mean, for Sunday night particularly, but just for this moment right here. And I told her the reason why you see that in the book of Hebrews is because it is a call to these Christians who are not producing, Christians who are kind of falling back into the law or they're not doing anything with their faith, to look at these people who have been motivated by the gospel to go do something. I said, it's not a guaranteed result. And then I walked her through what 1 Corinthians says, that such were some of you, that there are people who are they're, they're still living in sin, living wicked lives, but they're saved because they put their trust in Christ. And I ultimately came down to this conclusion with her. I said, I want you to really think to yourself, are you putting your trust in something that you have done to prove that you're genuine to get to heaven, or are you putting your trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone? Now, you and I, we hear that every week. We hear it every week. She had not heard that before. And for, I think, the first time, from, from what I could see, she now was challenged to say, I am trusting in an element of something that I can do to earn eternal life. And I, I asked her to consider that. We went through the, the, the Greek word for repent, what it means in those salvation passages where it's used, which is very few. I said, more often than not, it says to believe and you'll be saved. Okay? And then we can see that the Bible teaches that you're saved forever. So she went her way. And you know that, that was just yesterday. Well, there have been some things that tra have transpired over the past 24 hours that has caused me to just be real clear with what our ministry believes. And I say this because there is a great deception that is going on out there that you and I, we are above it because we've moved past it, but there are millions of people who are still right at this problem. And I want to read this. I prepared this to you so that, so that I can read it. People who believe in a works-based salvation 
are likely not soul winners. And this is not a commentary on that young lady or the lady that we talked to at Steve's Pizza. This is just a matter of fact, and here's why. Salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection for payment of an individual sin is the only way to create a genuine disciple who can win souls. Judas walked with Christ for three years and still went to hell. He was a disciple in appearance only. The outward display of the self-righteous Pharisees was not enough to save them. They were righteous in appearance only. Salvation by works creates a person who cannot honestly share Jesus because they lack the biblical requirement of perfection. I'm going to say that again. Salvation by works creates a person who cannot honestly share Jesus because they lack the biblical requirement for perfection. Now you're there in James 2.10. Look at what it says in James 2.10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, you should mark this in your Bible. He is guilty of all. Listen, it's not that you try. I'm all for kids trying something. You know, like they're in a sport, right? I want you to try your best to score the goal or to get the person out or whatever. Or, you know, you know, in, in high school, you're told to, to do your best and try your best. But is anybody perfect? Has anybody taken a baseball field or a football field and made zero errors? It's impossible. So why would we think that someone could keep perfection in, in, in the idea of the, the righteousness of God? This is not about doing your best and getting a participation trophy for it. It's either you're perfect or you're not. And a works-based salvation method, listen closely to me, it creates dishonest soul winners if they are even soul winners. And from what I've seen, they're not soul winners. And I'll get to that in a moment. Look in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. And it, it even tells us how we can classify this. Neither whatsoever worketh an abomination or maketh a lie. You can commit the most atrocious sin in the eyes of man or the smallest sin in the eyes of man in the eyes of God. Anything that is sin defileth. It will not enter in. It will not enter in. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I have heard more testimonies of people coming out of a works-based message and becoming soul winners than testimonies of a person leaving a faith-based gospel and becoming a soul winner. I believe this is because a works-based gospel produces a person which cannot fulfill the standards laid out in the Bible for perfection, so many become mentally paralyzed by the fear that they may not be saved. And people have been on that carousel for years. I know a gentleman who lives in the UK. God bless his soul. His name is Neil. He was in this carousel of lordship, works-based salvation for 28 years. 28 years he went to church. He went to night church. He went to the prayer meetings. He went to the Bible studies. He went to the revivals. No one gave him assurance of his salvation. No one taught that salvation was by grace only. They taught a works-based message. And Neil would go home every night and ponder, has he done enough to be saved? These individuals question their salvation daily because they have not followed Christ in every area of their lives or have not permanently turned from sin. A few of these individuals become hypocritical, 
legalistic, self-righteous critics who can only inspect the action of others. These individuals are not soul winners. They are the modern-day Pharisees which preach and teach on online platforms and seek to destroy the only message that saves. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, I speak personally here. I speak for myself in this regard. I open my mouth to strangers knowing that I have something of value to say to them. Nothing to do with me. I love when Dr. Reynolds said this years ago, at least when I first heard it, I'm just a cheap radio set broadcasting a message. That's my purpose. But when I, I, when I open my mouth to strangers knowing that I have something of value to say to them, I share Jesus Christ with them knowing full well that they can get saved right in that moment. And this is a quote from Galatians chapter 2, which we'll look at later tonight. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. The lost man has no work to offer because all the work was done by Jesus Christ. I have something to say. I have something to offer. And it is not locked behind a misapplication of Jesus' instructions on discipleship. Jesus either did what he said and paid for it all, or he lied. And I'm not real comfortable saying that. But it's, it, it's one or the other. Because he said in John 5, 24, if you believe, you pass from death unto life. You'll never be brought into condemnation. He can't at the same time also say, you got to show and prove it. Amen. That's, that, that, that's a conflict in the Bible. He either paid for it all or he didn't. I will not be silent, nor will I cave to the pressure of scholars or men supposedly wise after the ways of this world. I will cling to Jesus Christ, shout his name from the rooftops, and suffer the persecution of those who are trying to pervert the gospel message by adding one ounce of works. And one of these days, either in the rapture or in death, I will see the one who died for me. O oh, precious is the flow that made me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. That is where we have to stand. And we're going to look at two passages now in the time we have left that clearly show what is required to become a believer and what is required to become a disciple. These things, unfortunately, in Christianity are locked together. I love when the gospel is challenged. You know why? Because it drives people to their Bibles. Well, what does it really say? And if you're able to look at the Scripture, and you're able to rightly divide it, you can find out who's uh, teaching truth and who's teaching error. I don't care if anyone knows the name of this church. I don't care if people know the name of the teachers here. I only care that they get saved. That's all that matters. We're not looking for worldly fame. You know who's going to reward you? And who's going to reward me? Jesus Christ. And at the end, we're going to put it right down at His feet. That's motivation right there. Turn with me now to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. We're going to look at this phrase that I hear a lot in Lordship Salvation Invitations for Salvation that use this phrase, take up your cross. They say, pick it up, put it on your back, and walk. And let me just say this very clearly. Honestly, deep down inside, they know they're not doing that. They know they're not doing that. No one can. Verse 34, Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. I said, uh, yes, actually 31, excuse me. Mark 8, 31. And he began to teach them 
that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. This is what Luke calls is, is his passion. This is Christ's passion. This is what he was coming to do. This is why we say in Galatians chapter 2, we do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by works of the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Jesus is beginning to teach now. There's a turn in his ministry. He's beginning to teach about, I'm coming to die. I'm going to be given up and offered, and I'm going to die on that cross, and I'm going to rise again three days later. And anyone who stands in the way of that message is of the devil, is of Antichrist. Because stopping that passion of Christ, stopping what he did on the cross makes no one savable. None. And his very disciples missed his point. You're going to see that, 32. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. My, oh my. I know that, I know that people like to make fun of Peter. But the point here is they're missing it. They're missing the purpose of what he was coming to do. But when he had turned about and looked on his, mark this please, his disciples, the ones who were following him, they're following him to set up that kingdom. Judas in particular is looking to get a nice cozy spot and he's holding the purse. When Judas saw that this isn't going to be working out, now he's saying he's going to be dying and he's going to be captured. I'm out. It's exactly what he did and he gave him up. But his disciples are saying, his, his disciples are being addressed here. He rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Listen very closely to me here. I, I, I can see where what is being said to Peter can also have the understanding of trying to apply anything to the gospel along with Jesus Christ. Because that is the very thing that Peter was against here. He said, no, you're not going to go do that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That's the only person that wants to stop Jesus going to that cross. And every preacher and teacher and online forum subscriber that says salvation plus works is working of the devil, whether they mean it or not. They are hurting people who are looking to be saved. And we have to speak strongly against that doctrine because it's a doctrine of the devil. Continue on here in verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You need to underline this phrase here. Come after me. Come after me. This implies following in service. You want, to come up, you, you want to come and be my disciple? You want to come after me? You need to deny yourself. You need to pick up your cross and daily live in sacrifice to Him, to follow Him. When we look in John 7 in just a minute, Jesus says, come unto me. And He, he says that openly to all who will hear. Look what He says at the, end of verse, or at the beginning of 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for My sake and the Gospels, the same shall save it. Nothing about salvation here. This is talking about the person that wants to be a follower of Christ. They're going to deny themselves. They're going to walk after Him so that they can find fullness in life here. This has nothing to do with eternal life. 
Zero. To apply it to eternal life is to contradict what Jesus is about to say in John 7. Look what it says in verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Now, people love to look at this and say, see, if you live for the world, you're going to lose your soul. This is talking about the believer. This is talking about the person who wants to follow after Christ. You can gain the whole world, but you're going to lose the opportunity for a full life here, a life that really matters. Verse 37, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, go over to John 7. The phrase I want you to remember from what we just saw in Mark 8 is come after me. In John 7, verses 37 through 39, you're going to see a different phrase here. John 7, look in verse 37, page 1125. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If, mark this now, any man. He's talking to his disciples and the ones who wanted to follow him before. Now it's to any man. What, what does it say? If any man thirst, let him come unto me. There's that phrase. Come unto me. It's not a matter of semantics. Come after and come unto are two different things. This implies coming to him for him to meet a need. The need is quenching the thirst, which as we see here in verse 38 and 39 is explained. He that believeth on me. Do you see the difference? Pick up your cross, deny, follow daily, and believe it. There's two different things. I don't know why we have to take them and put them together. They don't connect. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And there's an explanation in 39, and I love when the Scripture does this. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, I didn't put this on the verse reference sheet for Robert up there, but go to Acts chapter 10. And we are going to look at verse 44. Jesus, or excuse me, Peter is speaking here. Cornelius has asked for Peter to be sent. Peter has a dream. The dream is interpreted. And Peter then goes, and he's trying to win this Gentile to the Lord. Look what is said here. Verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which, what does it say? Heard the word, and you can go back, which we don't have time to do, but you can go back in the, in the few verses before, and you can see what they were hearing from Peter. As soon as they believed, they received. And they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as, we, uh, 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 as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed, uh, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So not only were we able to 
verify that they understood the gospel, they understood it to the point where they could receive the believer's baptism. But right there in that moment, they believed and they received. So when we see in John 7, 38 and 39, whosoever believeth, you're going to get that outpouring of water from your belly. And that's not a physical thing. It's an illustration of the Holy Spirit. There's no... We don't need to see these people live a Christian life to know if they're saved or not. The Word says right here that they believed. So why then are we going to take Mark 8, 31 through 39 and make it about salvation? It's not about salvation. It's about service. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 2. I've stopped being surprised when I hear people don't understand these things. I've stopped being surprised because I'm almost expecting it now. And look, I'm not angry about that. I'm not disappointed about that. It just tells me we all have work to do. We all have work to do. we got to make sure it's clear. Now, we're not trying to pester people. We need to gain favorable attention. But let me, let me tell you, there may be people that don't understand this, that are in your family, that are in your neighborhoods, that you work with. Reach them. Talk to them about it. Look at verse 16, Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Now listen, nowhere here does it talk about picking up a cross. Let me tell you what that has become. It, has, it started as an honest phrase for disciples, and it's been turned into a cheap, pony trick aspect of a guilt gospel. Yep. It's exactly what it's been turned into. It's a nickel and dime phrase now. It has the equivalence now, unfortunately, of ask Him into your heart or give your life to Christ. None of those things which we see in the Scripture produce eternal life. The only thing that produces salvation, the new birth, is believing on Him. We have it right here. That we might be justified. We've believed we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. It's extremely clear. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. How does one pick up their cross? They avoid sin. They die to themselves. It's a process throughout, throughout the entire life of a believer. And those who want to be more disciplined... They'll do that more and more. But that's out of their own choice. We cannot look at that and then make it the, make it the standard for the lost man. Look at Judas. Look at the Pharisees. Jesus called them whited sepulchers because they had all the accoutrements on the outside, but on the inside, they're lost. They're trusting in how they look. Look at that Pharisee who says, Lord, thank you that I am not like this man, the sinner, That's exactly what you are. You're just dressed better. You just have a better outward appearance. Go find the nicest coffin in this city, and you open it up, you're not making a cologne out of that smell. It's dead on the inside. When we tell a lost man to be bound by things that cannot save, we do the work of the devil. 
And if you find a preacher or a teacher or a, another man or woman who preaches the gospel clearly, you encourage that believer. Amen. Because it's rare. And when we find people that don't teach the true gospel, we don't attack that individual. We teach the true gospel. But you know what happens on the other side of the coin? When people hear about salvation by grace alone and you don't have to work for it and you can't earn it, what do they do? They attack us. That's good. Why is that good? Because it causes people to look here. Amen. What does it actually say? Oh, I got Pastor A who says it's by works. I got Pastor B that says it's by faith. What does the Bible say? And they'll find out. Verses like Galatians 2.16. Look at what it says in 2.21. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Do you understand the implications of that verse? Christ died for nothing if righteousness comes by picking up your cross, offering sacrifices. O foolish Galatians, we're continuing in chapter 3. Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? Paul made the claim. They understood it. And their gospel got muddied up by men who crept in unaware because of the lack of discipline in churches. And they were perverting the gospel. This only would I learn of you Receive you the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He's asking them the same question I'm asking you tonight. Were you saved by doing good works or by believing on what you heard about Jesus Christ? Amen. What produces salvation? Verse 3, are you so foolish? Now it's harsh here, but it's harsh because if you and I are not clear, people are not getting saved. Oh, well, Jesse, it's just a matter of opinion. No, it's not. Not on this. Amen. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? He says you, you began by putting your trust in Christ. Are now you saying you began by working in the flesh? See, because the people who are looking at these churches in the region of Galatia, they may not have heard what Paul said. And the only way that they can hear it is through the, 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 the uh, ministries of this church. And they're not clear anymore. Oh, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. Blood is aggressive. It's also necessary. We don't need to cut it out of our gospel presentation because we don't want to offend 2% of people. Christ said the gospel is going to offend. It's going to split people. Why? Because the gospel is offensive in itself? No, because it makes people realize what they are. They're sinners. They need a Savior. People don't like to hear that. Boy, people will get in a, in a fit right now if you misgender them. I mean... Tell them they're a sinner. Boy, you can see how 2 Thessalonians 2 says there's going to be a strong delusion and they're going to believe the lie. Michael and I were talking about that yesterday. It is scary to think that people right now, this may be the very opportunity they have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, lest they be deceived of them own selves. Yikes. The power of the, of the flesh. Finishing up here in ver uh, verses 4 through 9, we'll go through these quickly. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. And Abraham believed hundreds of years before the law. 
Can we look at Abraham's life and see him picking up the cross? His wife laughed at God's prophecy. Hello, Ishmael. But he's in the hall of faith. Why? Because he believed and it was counted unto him for righteousness. No mention of picking up his cross. Know ye therefore that they which are of the faith, the same are of the children of, uh, of uh, Abraham and the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, mark here, through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, and then they which be of the faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Abraham believed, it was counted to him for righteousness, and God used him to bring about the Messiah who would bring the heathens, who would unite the world through the gospel. Listen, folks, and listen to me real good. People need to hear the gospel. I know that there are hundreds of, of, of churches in this area there's not many that are clear. And that's just a case study on the world. I talked to a, a, uh, a man from Winterhaven this week. Can't find a church within 50 miles. You know what he finds when he looks 50 miles for a clear church? Us. I talked to Michael, who's from Georgia, in the Bible Belt. There's less than 10 clear churches there in that entire state. We cannot be slack on the gospel. We cannot choose to be silent about it either. I mean, all this has encouragement to you. But things just lined up this week where I'm like, you know what? Th these things need to be said. Because I'm realizing from phone calls and emails and things online, and, you know, I really hope that young lady trusts Christ. I really do. And I believe she got that from me. She understood that I wanted her to be saved. Amen. But somebody got to her on a false gospel first. She can still believe. But is my job to go out there and, 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 or, or just sit in my office and laugh and mock? Look, if I'm, based in a, if I'm thinking of a works-based salvation, I'm looking at her saying, well, she's doing her best. I might as well keep doing my best. Why should I talk to her? <laughs> she's just trying to live her life for the Lord to get saved. I'm trying to do the same thing. You take 10 people that believe works saves, nine of those people will be silent, paralyzed by fear. And maybe one of them will be a boisterous, loud individual who just criticizes others. Works-based gospel does not produce a soul winner. It doesn't. I hear more testimonies of people saying, I came out of a works-based gospel, and now I win souls, and that's awesome. Love that. Many of you are here tonight because of that. And praise God. Keep being about it. Okay? Keep being about it. He hasn't come back yet. We know it's coming. But while we wait, can we be busy? We sure can. This hand represents you and me. My wallet represents sin. I'm going to put this on top of my hand because the Bible says, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. God loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him. In order to get to heaven, you have to be perfect. Just like God. And, I, and the Bible means that in every sense of the word. Perfect. 
We all fall short, and that's why we're called sinners. No amount of turning from sin or, or good works or good intentions could ever save you. Someone has to die for this sin. And if you were to die for your sin, you'd have to spend an eternity in hell forever separated from God. Remember I told you God loves you? Here's how He demonstrated that love for you. This hand will represent Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. God's only begotten Son. He came and lived a perfect life to demonstrate who He was. And then they beat Him, and they whipped Him, they mocked Him, they put Him up on that cross. And He said one word in His language, three words in ours. It is finished. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that He gave His only begotten Son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When Christ went to that cross, He died. The wrath of God was, came down on Him. It pleased God to bruise His Son. Why? Because he, represent, he took all that sin of all the world, laid it on Himself like only He could do, and He cried out and it is finished. And in that moment, this is paid. I told the ranch kids, we can go to the North Pole. We can go to the South Pole. Where's the East Pole? Where is the East Pole? Where is the West Pole? You can't find it. It's not a coincidence that God said, our sin is removed as far as the East is from the West. It is an illustration to the fact, it's gone, gone. My sins are gone. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's eternal security right there. That ain't a separate doctrine. That's what salvation is. Amen. And many of you have understood that, and you've come out of clear teaching. I, my best friend came out of these teachers and preachers that were all, they said all the right thing, and they had all the desire and everything, but they didn't preach a message that saves. And now he's about souls. He's three years old in the Lord, and he's winning people to Christ. He wasn't winning people to Christ before. He was in fear for his own soul. But now that he sees it's all dependent on Christ, it's all finished in Christ, and His resurrection proves it, and we have His Word to lead and guide us and direct us, He now has a desire to go out there and win people. Why? Because anyone can believe it. Anyone. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're watching on the internet tonight, I want to encourage you right where you are to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've thought for years that you have to do something or give something or show something to be saved. It's not the case. You can't do or give or show enough. That's why Jesus died in your place. And the moment that you believe on His death, burial, and resurrection for the full payment of your sin, you receive the gift of everlasting life. I encourage you to do so. Let us know if you've trusted Christ by pressing the little button if you're on our website. Or if you're watching on Facebook, you can leave a comment. You can send us an email. It would be a great encouragement to us. For those of you who are in the room as we close, I know you've heard these things before. I know you've heard these verses. But the Lord's been moving in my life in the past couple of days to bring these things to you. And I just ask that you realize how great it is to know for sure that you're going to heaven. Thank the Lord for that every day. Let it be the gas in your tank to keep you going. 
Be about that gospel. Be about that gospel message. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the clarity found in Your Word. I pray, Lord, for those that are caught up in false teaching that they would recognize that they cannot fulfill the standards that are set for perfection. That they would study the Scripture and learn to rightly divide and believe on Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.